Good morning, everybody. How's everyone today? Good, good. So we did forget one announcement, or I forgot an announcement. I forgot to shamelessly plug my new church that's coming. So if we could put that one on the screen, please. It's in the announcements. There you go. So we are going to be planting Momentum Church in the Dingman, Delaware area. And our first services are actually going to be in the Dingman, Delaware Middle School on 739. Uh, we do have times and dates, and I will be presenting those as we progress. We're going to do one in June, July, and August. And we're going to have a Sunday morning service, a Saturday night service, and a Sunday night service to see kind of what hits. Uh, but that's what we're doing. And our mission statement is living Jesus' teachings, leading people to God, and loving the community. But this just isn't a mission for this church. It's a mission for the whole body. And today we're going to start a new sermon series called Momentum. Specifically, creating, building, and expanding kingdom momentum. Not our own. So before we get started, I want to get into the scripture for the day. So we're reading from Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that you may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for this day. We thank you for breath in our lungs and blood in our veins, Lord God, that we have an opportunity for your kingdom today. Lord, with this opportunity, I want to first take time to lift up Pastor Ken while he's on his sabbatical. Lord God, I lift him up to you in peace and in love. Lord, that he is seeking you fervently. Lord, and that you are with him, restoring the relationship that you have with him in the areas that are broken, restoring his soul where he needs it, Lord God, and that, again, he is faithfully seeking you. Lord, I lift up his family to you right now, Lord that they would grow together as a family unit, stronger than they were before, that they would be more patient, more kind, more loving with each other. Lord, and that all of them would come out of this time of rest, energized for you in love. Lord, I also lift up this congregation, this gathering of people that is before us today, Lord. I pray that their hearts, minds, and souls are clear and open to receive you, Lord, and that your message today would touch their hearts and inspire them to move for your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So we're going to talk about momentum today, and specifically the first part of that mission statement is living out Jesus' teachings. And what we're trying to do is create momentum inside of ourselves for his kingdom, not for our own. But in order to do that, we have to remember or we have to understand what momentum is. Could we put slide number 12 up, please? I'm going to get all engineering on you, a little scientific. So this is me coming out, so I hope you enjoy. <laughs> so momentum is a force, right? It is a movement. And that's important when we're talking about kingdom momentum because the kingdom is not stationary. It is not a target. It is in motion. Jesus came to this earth and he said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. That was one of the first things he proclaimed. And he went out and spread the kingdom. And he calls us to spread the kingdom as well. Go, proclaim, baptize, teach everything that I have commanded you. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, we're called to go. This is a movement. 
Momentum itself is a force that is mass, the weight of a body, times velocity. And when we're living in the world before God in our own kingdom, it was me times my speed. It's you times your speed, creating your own momentum for your own kingdom within this world. But as we come to accept Christ in our life, as we, come to be, as we come to become followers of Christ, it becomes me plus God plus our own speed. And this speed is supposed to come with direction. That's the whole point. This, this velocity is a vector quantity. It's movement with direction. It's not just aimless, aimlessly going about. But before God, it seems like we're moving in circles, right? So our momentum as we, as we come to Christ becomes me plus God, but we're still working in our own velocity because we're still trying to figure out what this is. We're still trying to figure out our faith in this, and we're learning in this, and we're growing in it. But when we move into kingdom momentum, as we become mature Christians, it becomes me plus God and the body of Christ and God's speed and direction. And that's where I want to get us to. I want to get us to start thinking about kingdom momentum. So today we're going to again talk about creating momentum within ourselves. And that, that it comes by living out Jesus' teaching. And that's the important part. It's not our kingdom. It's his kingdom. We're supposed to live out his teaching. So it goes to our first point, which is everything begins with God's sovereignty. He is in control. Sovereign means one who exercises supreme authority, undisputed power, and rule, and is free from external control. God created the heavens and the earth, right? Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created. He created everything. In John 1.1, and moving through John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made. He is sovereign. He is king. And the reason why we're talking about kingdoms and kingdom momentum is because this is very important. If you look at the world today, you have to understand that all of the darkness and everything that comes from it is because there's multiple kingdoms within this world that are trying to usurp his kingdom. This book says that he is sovereign, that he is God, that he is Lord. That he has designed this world with a purpose. That he has designed this world with a construct. And there's all these kingdoms within the world that are trying to battle against that, right? You've got nations claiming sovereignty over lands. You've got nations trying to take sovereignty from other countries. Within our own nation, we have states and other nations and provinces, but you have You have the government claiming sovereignty over all the people of the land, and then you have states fighting for sovereignty over their piece of land and trying to separate their rule from the federal rule. So you have federal and state, and then you have cities and counties and communities, towns, uh, hamlets, all these little things vying for control. And in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, it goes even further to homeowners associations, right? We don't even have control of what we can do in our own home and our own yard in some places. But you can go further. You have the kingdom of the family. And who's in charge and who is subject to. And the deepest part of this is our own kingdoms. 
we're striving for our own way throughout all of this. And you have all these kingdoms trying to do their own thing, and it's not in the construct of what God has made this world to be. And because of that, darkness forms. Struggles form. Pain forms. Fear forms. All these things that God didn't design for this world comes about these kingdoms trying to usurp his kingdom. Fighting for their own way. You've got the war in Ukraine. You've got civil war in Ethiopia. You've got talk of China wanting to invade Taiwan. In our own country, we have our own struggles. We have our own divisions. Politics, race, you name it. Gas prices are through the roof. Groceries are, are climbing and they're harder to afford. We can't, even, we can't even feed our children. There's a baby formula shortage. It continues and, it, and there's more and more and more. And it's all because of kingdoms trying to have power over the kingdom that is already established. And whether you're a Christian from birth and you've been raised in the church or you're a new Christian or you're somebody here who's trying to figure out if you believe in this, I'm, I'm here to tell you that he is sovereign and he is king over your life. That this book is true, 100%. Why do I believe this book is true? Well, this book was created thousands of years ago. Jesus was alive over 2,000 years ago. The stories in this book reflect him and what he did on this earth. And before that, the Torah was created thousands of years before that. So this book is thousands of years old, and yet it still lives and it still applies to your life every day. Every word of this book applies to your life. And in different seasons, different parts of this book will apply to your life. You may read one section and get one thing out of it. Read the same section in a different season of your life, whether it be months, days, weeks, or years, and it's going to speak to you differently and ask you to do something differently or reflect on something differently. This book also speaks about a God who came to this earth to live out the teachings in this book. And the teachings in this book are contrary to all of our natural humanity. When people tell me, oh, it's made up by man, how? Everything in this book is contrary to how I want to live if I'm living in my flesh. How I want to love people. How I want people to love me. How I respond to situations when people are coming at me aggressively, when people are coming at me in, in different ways. How I respond naturally is different than how this book tells me to respond. It can't be made by man because it doesn't make sense if you're looking at it in terms of your natural humanity. And this God came to earth and lived out these teachings to the point where he frustrated and antagonized the kingdoms of this world so much that they put him to death. That didn't stop him. He rose from the dead. And if you're a Christian, you believe that. You believe that a man died and came back from the dead and went and seated at the right hand of the Father. That's faith. That's belief in this book. It's truth. But what we have to understand is faith isn't found in what we believe in, but who we believe in. Do you believe in the kingdoms of this world? Do you believe in your own kingdom? Or do you believe in God as king over your life? Our kingdom is lacking. 
Our kingdom is struggling and striving for things. We're, we're striving for more joy, more peace, more hope. But we always end up in the same place, right? How many of us, how many of us feel like we're in a Groundhog Day situation? Where every day is the same thing and we keep returning to that same spot. Like we're moving, but we're standing in place. Like we're just running in circles. We're not getting anywhere. Because we live in this world of darkness created by these systems that aren't God and we're searching for light. But I want to share something with you from the verses that we read today for this, for this sermon. Matthew 5, 14 through 16, starting with verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. God doesn't say that you are to have light. He doesn't say that you are to use light. He says, you are the light. He's declared it. He said it was so. And if he is sovereign and king over your life, then you are light. And our job is to bring light to this world, to bring light in the darkness. And the crazy thing about light is if you look at John 1, 4 through 5, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This light that we carry is life in a dead world. It's life that we're supposed to give. It's life that we're supposed to let shine. But sometimes it's hard, right? Especially early in our walk, when we don't know what it means to be a Christ follower, when we don't know how to walk, we're afraid to share it because we don't know enough, so we hang on to it. And we just hold it because it's comfortable. Because what we do is we live a life that is trying to fit God into the picture instead of living for God and what he has called us to. He's called us as light. And we need to be light. But when we face these struggles and these trials and all these frictions, at the end of the day, we just want some peace and some comfort, right? So many of us, including myself, live in modes of searching for temporal comfort and peace and joy that we create for ourselves. You get up, you get ready for the day, you struggle through the day to get home just to have some peace, to let it all go, being bombarded by all these things, and you just want to give everything up and let it go. And you come home, and you hope to have a peaceful situation at home, but that doesn't always work, right? Sometimes you come home and, and the person that's been at home all day has had a rough day, either with whatever they had going on or with children or you name it. And you're looking for peace, but they're looking for peace. So they expect you to help them with their peace so you don't have time for your peace. And all you want to do is sit on the couch and watch TV or scroll through your phone. Or if you're ambitious, look for more information. But is the information really truth? This world is full of information. The information we have in this country is, could be a different perspective than from another country. In this state versus another state. So is it misinformation? Is it real information? Or is it one-sided information? The comforts that we seek, the things that we're filling ourselves with, are contrary to what God wants us to do. He wants us to seek comfort and joy in him. And that takes faith. Because we're so distracted by God that we forget 
to fit God into our lives because we're building our faith. Romans 12, 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Faith in God requires change. It requires transformation. When you accept the Lord into your life, you're saying, Lord, I want you to be ruler over my life. And to start letting that light shine, you have to start stepping out in faith. You have to read your Bible. You have to pray. Not just fit it in where you can. Because otherwise you're stuck in that, that personal kingdom momentum where it's you and God at your speed. In John 8, 31, 32, it says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you are his disciple, you will abide in the word. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's important because when you're abiding in the word, you're replacing things, thoughts, knowledge, whatever, within yourself with the word of God, with the truth that is in this book, with his promises of who you are and what he says he will do for you, who he has called you. He has called you light. He has told you he will never leave you or forsake you. He has told you that you are his son or his daughter. It takes faith to dig into this transformation. And faith is something that we hope for that is not seen, right? It's the assurance of things hoped for. We can't see the wind, but we can feel it, right? We can't see or feel Wi-Fi, but it works. We can experience that. It's the same thing with faith. God wants to move in your life, but he's calling you to trust him and step out in that faith. In order to do that, we need to have childlike faith. That's what it says in the Bible, right? Childlike faith, the faith of a child. When you were a child or parents, if you have kids, did you ever ask or, or do your kids ever ask you if the bills are paid? If there's food in the fridge? If the water's running? No, they expect that. You're their parent. Or you expect that from your parents, right? You expect to be provided for by your father or your mother. No, they just say, hey, I'm hungry. Can you make? I need this. I need you. I, I, my two-year-old son, God bless him, lately has been very clingy and emotional. And, and things have been bothering him. And all he wants is uppy, uppy. And when you say no, he sucks. He gets upset. All he wants is for me or my wife to just hold him. So he has security in that. He knows that we're there for him. That's what we need to be with God our Father. We need to trust in the words that he says and in the promises that he has for us in this book and know that that's true. We don't need to worry how he's going to answer our prayers. We don't need to worry how he's going to work out this faith journey that we're on or this next step that we're taking because he has called us to move. He has called us to be light. We just have to trust that he will deliver on his promises. But sometimes we're unwilling to change because we have planned our entire lives out without God. Think about 
your life before God, what it looked like, the job that you took. If you had an option, you picked the one with the most money, right? The area you lived in, not just the house, but the area. You chose the area that you lived in if you had the option because you wanted to live in the best place, right? A secure place, a comfortable place. Everything we've built our life around is about security and comfort and insurance. Do we have faith to walk out with God and trust that he is there for us? Because Jesus calls us to movement. He calls us to movement. He calls us to let our light shine so that he can be glorified. And that's the beautiful thing of this. When we step out in faith, it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to go up to you, sissy, and, and try to make you become a disciple. It doesn't mean I have to go and preach at people. What it means is just to start this off, you just have to start walking it out to live what is going on in this book. Because people are going to see how you live and wonder, what does this person have that I don't? Why are they so happy? Why are they rejoicing at everything? Why are they at peace? Where does this peace come from? And people are going to see that and want to know. Not everybody. That's next week. We'll talk, about, we'll talk about leading people to God. But if we just start walking it out, we can start to change the darkness in our own kingdom and change the darkness in the surrounding area just by being light. Because you can't turn off light by turning up the darkness. You have to turn off the light. We're called to move. And in Matthew 5.20, it says, Unless our righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, we will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Who were the scribes and the Pharisees? The teachers of the law. The religious leaders. They knew the promises of God. They knew what they were supposed to do. And they talked about it. They talked an awful lot about it. But they did that for their own gain, for their own kingdoms, for their own high places, for their own acknowledgement. They didn't live it out. And Jesus says, if we act like that, he takes no pleasure in us. In Hebrews 10.38, but my righteous ones shall live by faith, but if they shrink back, I will take no pleasure in them. He's calling us to movement. He's calling us to walk it out. The question is, do you have the faith to stand on those promises and watch God deliver? And everyone's faith looks different. Some of us didn't have a big moment where we met God and our salvation was so clear and so perfect because this huge thing happened and our whole life got changed. That's my story. My entire life got turned upside down and everything that I was got shattered, broken, and as he picked up the pieces, he threw out the stuff he didn't want and replaced it with him. And my faith reflects that. But some of us have been in church for so long that we're kind of like going through the motions, right? Yep, I know this is true. But I'm asking you to start moving by taking baby steps. It doesn't take thinking a flood's coming and building a boat. It doesn't take walking on water. It doesn't take quitting your job to go plant a church. What it takes is when you see somebody hurting, you pray for them. You know, we claim to be faithful Christians, but we don't even pray for the common cold when we get sick or when someone else is sick. Isn't that silly? 
You can pray for that person. It's allowed. It's in here. He is healer. Step out on a limb. Step out in that faith and pray for somebody. When you get cut off on the highway, instead of chewing that person out and riding up on their bumper, maybe stop and pray for yourself first. That's how I started. Lord, please help me. Lord, give me peace and love. Love and peace and patience. Whole lot of patience, Lord. And Lord, also help this person to where they are going. Make sure they get there safe. I hope the emergency is not too big. Simple things like that. And that's silly, but that's stepping out in faith. Because you're letting go of your own kingdom and you're asking God for help. You're asking God to walk with you in this moment. When you're struggling in life and you don't know where the answer is, open the book. We have this wonderful thing on cell phones. It's the Bible app. It's right here at your fingertips. There's a search function. You can search for whatever's ailing you, whatever's bothering you, and you can get some faith through the promises of God that way. Baby steps. And if you're looking at what this looks like and, and where some of these promises are, I urge you to read Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Go in to Romans chapter 12, 9 through 21. It's a condensed version of those, seven, or those three chapters. Start reading on some of these promises. Start reading in how God wants you to be light and start acting as light. Have the faith to step out and join God's momentum and walk in your purpose, which you were created for. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word and your message with these people this community. Lord, I pray that it it touched them in a way that inspires them to start acting in faith, to start taking small, bold steps of faith, that they may see you and experience you through that faith, that their faith may grow, Lord, that they may serve your kingdom because you are God. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.